Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to the Shooter Shoot Basketball Pod, part of the Blue Collar Radio Network. And I'm actually joined here today by a friend of the show, one of the uh, co-hosts of the past, and that is Matt Chamberlain. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing good. I'm excited to be back for this uh, episode. It's been a while, so we're going to see if I still have my, uh, my touch. Not that it was ever that gifted. Yeah, I mean, we do remember your very first episode of the show where you kind of quit midway through, so... Uh, it's good to see. I really hope that we can get you through this one. Uh, not that the episode's going to be that long, but uh, yeah, it's great to have you back. Uh, so we're going to get things kicked off. Uh, as I said, it's going to be a bit of a shorter episode today. We're just going to touch on the NBA trade deadline as there was a lot of trades that were made, as well as we're going into All-Star Weekend. And uh, we're going to close things off with Matt's favorite segment that we only got to do for one episode, and that was Ivy League Game of the Week. But we're going to get things started with the trade deadline, and it was a really busy trade deadline in the NBA, and we just wanted to go through all the trades that happened in the order that they happened just to to see our thoughts on on the moves that were made. So the first one is a four-team trade. Uh, The Rockets ended up getting Robert Covington and Jordan Bell as well as a second-round pick. The Timberwolves ended up with Beasley, Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Vanderbilt, and a 2021st. And then the Hawks ended up with Capella and Nene, and the Nuggets ended up with Green, Vonley, Napier, Diop, and a first. So it was a really, really busy trade. Matt, who do you think the winners and losers were of that trade? Well, the winners definitely were uh, Capella, for sure. Like, he's going to fit in if John Collins is able to shake off that rust, rightfully so. You know, I mean, he's been away for 25 games and is able to start stretching the floor again. Those three being, like, Trey, Capella, it's going to end up working out really well for them. And the Denver uh, center legend, Nene Hilario, I think he's uh, bound to spring back this year now because of this. Yeah, and I mean, I think the Rockets were winners as well. I mean, picking up Covington is kind of what they needed, although they don't have centers Yeah, now. I was like, they're the winner <laughs> with 6'6", six, six, P.J. Tucker, huh? I mean, I still think that Covington's a nice piece, and obviously there's still a lot of contracts that are going to be bought out over the, last, over the next little bit here. So uh, I would consider the Rockets a winner. The Timberwolves, I don't really know what they won here besides that 2021st, but I think they ended up moving that one anyways. And then the Nuggets, I, I guess I was a bit confused. They just like kind of dumped mediocre players and picked up mediocre players, so they were kind of just neutral in this. Yeah, the Nuggets were funny, you know what I mean, because they have a good enough roster. As they play well together, but I guess maybe they just didn't like them. yeah fair enough maybe that's all that it was uh the second trade that we had it was the sacramento kings ended up getting jabari parker and alex len and the hawks picked up Dwayne deadman and a couple of second round picks i thought that this is actually a really nice move for the kings i they haven't really been able to get their off-season acquisitions to fit in and deadman was one of them so i think that it was good to move on from him what were your thoughts on it i'm happy for deadman because, you know, what I mean, he is good. Like, he has a role to serve on a team. And it was kind of sad that he worked his way out of the rotation so early and never really even got an opportunity to work that well in that King system. 
Yeah, and the Kings are one of those franchises that even when they have good players, they just can't seem to get things to work. Like, Devoch is a really poor, just, like, runner of things for that franchise. So. Yeah, like, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think overall, like, Jabari also and Alex Len, I don't know how they're going to fit into that Kings rotation because there is a lot of guys there, but Jabari was having a pretty decent year so far. Good to see him healthy, finally. Uh, next up we had... This was a bit of a weird one because the Warriors gave up Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson, and all that they got back was three second-round picks. So, I mean, like, Philly's the clear winner here, right? Yeah, like, it's all the – they're playing the luxury tax game, though, you know what I mean? Getting dinged for two consecutive years and how that spikes for them a little bit. But And they know they're not winning, just hoping that that first round they get this year is worth it. Yeah, and I mean, Alec Burks was having a really good year for them, but I think it was an example of a guy being on a really bad team, and so therefore his numbers look a lot better. I mean, in Philly, he's not starting, that's for sure, but Philly got what they needed because Burks and Robinson are decent shooters, and their bench had been abysmal. That's why I think they were sitting around five or six in the East. So I think Philly's the clear winner there. Uh, Next up was one of of the bigger trades as well. This was the Memphis Grizzlies, Miami Heat, and Timberwolves having a three-team deal here. The Grizzlies ended up getting Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, and Gorgie Jang, which as of just a few hours ago, Dion Waiters is actually no longer with the Grizzlies. What is fantastic. Which is great for them. (laughs) Um, And then the Heat ended up with Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. And then the Timberwolves, all they really got out of the deal was James Johnson. I mean, Miami's the clear winner, but do you think that there's a second winner in this trade, or is it just Miami kind of cleaned house? Miami cleaned house, and you know, I mean, they added what they had to. It's, uh, yeah, like, they got put in a better position, right? Because with their roster and how everything came together, it's better than anyone can expect, like, well, would have expected this year. And adding those pieces, I think it just puts them in better position and do a deeper playoff run yeah I mean now looking at them they can legitimately go 10 players deep in a playoff series which I know that the minutes get cut down a bit but if you do run into foul trouble this isn't a team that's really going to struggle in that regard so it's good to see I actually like James Johnson fitting with the Timberwolves Uh, I just think that he kind of got phased out a bit in Miami with all the other all the other mouths to feed but Pairing him now with uh, Towns and Russell, which we'll be touching on in a little bit here because he moved there as well. I think it's a good move for them. And the Grizzlies, really all that they got out of this deal was Justice Winslow. And I think we both like Winslow as a player. It's just his health more than anything else. Yeah, and like it's nice because he's start, finally starting to learn his role. You know what I mean? How he can be successful as just the ball handler defender. Yeah, and he, he's a guy that he can play one through four legitimately in a rotation. Like, if you want him to, to play backup point guard minutes, he's a guy that can do it. But the big thing for him coming out of Duke was the fact that he was a great two-way player in the league. And, I mean, yeah, he's just he, he needs to get healthy, obviously. And I think Gorgie Jang will be nice for them as well. He'll serve as a backup to friend of the show, Jonas Valanciunas. Raptors legend, Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, then... Uh, as I touched on, the Timberwolves were really busy this uh, trade deadline because they were involved in a third trade. This one was with the Golden State Warriors. I think it was actually the biggest trade of the trade deadline, in my opinion. And it was uh, the Timberwolves got D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Omari Spellman from the Warriors. And the Warriors got back Andrew Wiggins, a top three protected first-round pick, and a second-round pick. 
I think both teams actually won this trade. What do you think? Both teams definitely did, and I think that the good Canadian kid, Wiggins, will actually do very well in Golden State because he's shown that sometimes. Like, he's gotten way better this year, but in the past when he's been the number one option, he just didn't work out well. I mean, we both know early on in the podcast we were very hard on Andrew Wiggins. We were saying that he deserved moping points in fantasy, but I wasn't seeing that this year. I think that he had legitimately taken a step forward. I just think that him and Towns didn't really gel together. And I mean, Russell Russell and Towns had already said earlier in the offseason and Devin Booker that they all wanted to play together someday. So the fact that there's two of the three pieces, Devin Booker could be the third one to fall in the coming years. Do you think they're going to follow to Minnesota I think they're all gonna leave Minnesota and go somewhere else (laughs) well I mean at least it is an option so as much as I think that the thriving metropolis of uh, Minnesota is gonna be big I I I also like the fact that I think the Warriors are gonna end up keeping this pick because now with Russell and Towns they may not make the playoffs but they're definitely not in the bottom five worst teams so they're their draft lottery odds are going to be low of moving into the top three. Not saying that it couldn't happen because it happens all the time in draft lotteries, but at least the odds are going to go down a bit. And if Golden State actually picks up this pick, pairing that with what's going to be a bottom three pick for them, I would assume, like they could legitimately have two top six or seven picks in this draft. Like that's a scary thought knowing that, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond are already on that team, and then they get to add two stellar rookie talents as well. And the fact they're setting themselves up to like yet again, if they have when they have to rebuild eventually when Steph and Clay leave, it's not going to be a rebuild because they're just going to go from the starting to the bench and they'll just switch swap roles. And I mean whether it's <laughs> whether it's someone like Cole Anthony or James Wiseman or Lamelo Ball, whoever it is that ends up going to that team. I mean, they're going into a great situation, and uh, I think you could see this being a lot like what happened with the Pistons back in the mid-2000s. Unfortunately, they drafted Darko Milicic instead of Carmelo Anthony, but they were already a really good team that had a great pick in the draft, and they were just able to add another player, and then they go on and win a title a couple years later. So, I mean... It's an interesting trade for sure. I think both sides win in this one. A lot of people are going to favor Russell because they like Russell more than Wiggins. But, I mean, we got to remember, too, that Wiggins is only, what, like 24? Like, he's like he's not old. No, he's been, like, he's been unfairly labeled a bust, even by us, for, like, moping points. He's. I mean, I mean, you can't really be a bust if you're scoring 20-plus a game. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, the expectations are always so high, especially him being Canadian, too. It got inflated. You you think that he's going to be the next LeBron, but let's face it, there's only a LeBron every 15 years. Like, yeah, there's great number one overall picks, like whether it's Kyrie Irving or Carl Anthony Towns, but there's also Greg Odin's out there, and Wiggins definitely doesn't fall into that category. He's just not Kyrie. Greg was going to be good, just his knees were I do hope that he plays in the big three this year. I will say that (laughs) much. Uh, And then our second last trade that happened at the deadline, (laughs) this one was really confusing for me. Uh, The Detroit Pistons, they they got John Henson and Brandon Knight in a second, and uh, all they had to give up to get that was Andre Drummond. (laughs) Um, I don't think either team wins this trade. Like, what do you think? It's Nobody, not even teams, no person in this trade wins. <laughs> like, Drummond goes to a stacked front court. 
Yeah, because they don't have anything except Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson <laughs> and then a couple of, like, young guards. Like, so I don't really know what they gained here. Isn't Drummond an expiring contract, too? But he's got a player option for $29 million. So, like, he could just pick that up if he wanted, and then Cleveland's stuck now with that. Have the, one of the best front courts in the game, though, but nobody can dribble the ball up the court. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would be thrilled if this was 1995 <laughs> because their front court would be lethal. However, the rules have changed, and now you need to actually shoot the ball. And I, I just don't think that they're really getting anything out of it. I mean, I didn't know that John Henson and Brandon Knight were still in the league, and they didn't even have to give up a first to get Drummond. So maybe Cleveland wins this trade just because Detroit's inept. But... I think just Detroit loses. From looking at this, you can just... Because they could have got so much more for him. Like, like neither team's winning, though, because, like, they're not even selling more tickets by landing Andre Drummond. I, I guess there's nothing to do in Cleveland, but... Isn't there the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? <laughs> I, I don't know what's in Cleveland. Yeah, I've never matter. actually thought about a vacation to Cleveland, so I'm just I'm going to leave that one alone. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, and then our last trade, I... It involved the L.A. Clippers and the New York Knicks. The Knicks getting in on the action with the with the trade deadline, and it was uh, the Clippers picked up Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas, which Isaiah Thomas has already been let go as well. So this is essentially just Marcus Morris going to the Clippers, and the Knicks got back Mo Harkless, a twenty twenty first rounder from the Clippers, which is basically pick twenty seven. Right? Yeah, it's not going to be great. Then they could they have the option of swapping first in 2021, but I don't know why you would want to swap picks because like the Knicks are still going to be a dumpster fire. So maybe, maybe if the Clippers see a bit of regression, maybe maybe they do. <laughs> but <laughs> a bit of regression, yeah. And then uh, a second round pick as well. I I mean I kind of get it because the Knicks want to start you know building up their assets and like you never know you might hit on that 27th pick, but. I just, I I don't know. I felt like they could have got a little bit more for Marcus Morris. From everything that I heard, they were trying to get Kuzma from the Lakers, but they were asking for, like, a stiff return for Kuzma. Like, they wanted Danny Green in a first included with that, which I like Marcus Morris, but he's not worth that. Yeah, it's three-point shooting, you know what I mean? That's just what got teams so excited about him this year at, like, whatever it was. Like, he's averaging close to 20, if not a game, and shooting 40%, 43 from deep or something. I also always forget who's the better Morris brother, because I felt like early on it was Markeith, but then I think Marcus became better, and I just don't know when that happened. <laughs> I don't... I, honestly <laughs> I don't, haven't been keeping track. Like, I see... They could, they look so similar. They could all honestly play for both teams. Just be like, yeah, I want to slash tonight. Just switch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're a, they're an interesting yeah, duo. For the Clippers, it works out well for them because they're going for a title. I mean, I mean, I think that this boosts their chances of, of being the favorite in the West now because they've already given the Lakers fits in both of their contests that they've played against each other. And then you throw in Marcus Morris now. To a bench that already has Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell on it, like that's a scary eight-man rotation. The fact that you could sub out Kawhi and Paul George, and you could still be getting Harrell and Morris coming at you, like I don't know. I felt like the Lakers needed to make a move, and that's why they would be like my deadline loser because they really needed somebody. And as of today, they also aren't getting Darren Collison, and neither is the Clippers because he's decided that he's going to remain retired. So. Focus on religion. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, I think they really needed to go and uh, pick up a point guard, and they didn't. So, no, it was definitely a really entertaining t- trade deadline. Uh, but we got to move forward, and we're looking forward to this coming weekend. Uh, it's going to be All Star Weekend from Chicago. It should be uh, a lot of great festivities happening then. Uh, so we're going to go through and we're going to give our predictions on pretty much everything that's happening that weekend outside of like the celebrity game because I don't even know who's playing in that this year. I stopped watching when Kevin Hart gave it up. So uh, I think Quavo's good. Quavo is good. Remember Beebs played one year? Yeah, and then he got stuffed by Scottie Pippen. Yeah, and he kept shooting threes from like the NBA line when he was like 18. Yeah, he wasn't a big guy either. Like, Beavs is like 5'6". Yeah, it's not great. No. Uh, So we're going to get things started by talking about the Rising Stars game. Uh, This year, as it has been for the last couple of years, it's going to be the United States taking on the world. I think that this is actually one of the stronger world rosters that we've seen over the last little while. The fact that you've got R.J. Barrett, Aiton. I don't know if Doncic is going to play due to health, but if he's playing, he'll be a big factor. And then you've got guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Who are you taking in this game? I mean, the U.S. The U.S. is pretty stacked with Tyler Hero, Jackson, Morant, and then Zion and Trey Young. Who you got in this game? I mean, we are Canadians, so. Oh, I'm world for sure. But it's like you said, the, stat, the stacked roster for uh, the states is inevitable. Like, they always do very well. But it's nice to see that... Uh, the world is finally putting up better players. And if Luca plays, I don't think it'll be much of a game. But if he doesn't, it'll be close. I don't I don't think he's going to play. And also my concern is that Trey Young isn't going to play very much because they're both going to be busy as it is playing in the All-Star game if they are both playing in that. So I'm, take, I'm taking the United States in this one. I just think that top to bottom, it's just like a really deep United States roster with a lot of guys that could potentially be all-stars in the next couple of years. Who would you have as your MVP in that game? For me, I got to go with the good Canadian kid, because this seems to be a theme for me. I got to go with Shea, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He scores the ball well. It's a good setup for him to be in this game, you know what I mean, as a shooter, where you can just do your thing, dribble like mad, not pass. Like, it's yeah a ball-dominant guard's dream. Yeah, because I think he's averaging, like, 19 points, but only, like, three assists, so he kind of seems like the perfect type of player to do that. Uh, I'm taking, obviously, the United States. So, while a lot of people, I think, would go with, like, a Ja Morant or a Zion Williamson or even a Trey Young just because they're the bigger names, I'm actually going to go out on a bit of a limb, and I think it's going to be Tyler Hero. Because if you look at this game, a lot of it is three-ball shooting, and a lot of them are open threes. And one thing that we've seen all year in Miami, like, Tyler Hero is lethal from three-point range. And I could see him knocking down like eight or nine threes in that game and walking away with MVP. So I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm locking in Tyler Hero as my uh, MVP of that game. Uh, then we've got the skills contest. This is this is one of those contests that they just kind of do to fill time, I think, <laughs> because a lot of it is uh, people looking forward to the three-point and slam dunk. But this year they've got a pretty good crop of uh, talent for this contest. Uh, they've divided it into guards and bigs once again, so four guards and four bigs. The four guards would be Patrick Beverly, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Chris Middleton. And then the forwards would be Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, and then the defending champion, Jason Tatum. So uh, who are you going with here, Matt? Who's who's your MV- Who's going to win the skills contest, I should say? I'm going with Tatum. 
You know what? Tatum for the repeat. Yeah, like he's playing just as well as he did last year. Of course, like it's also, like we said, the skills contest, and I've never seen a person run full speed in it. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think that those guys ever go full tilt. No, but... yeah, it's a jog through the pylons all the time. But I just remember Embiid last year like didn't score, but then just like went down and tried to score on the other end, and they're like, okay, I guess he's just not making the layoff. Like, I guess that's his strategy. No, I think in this one, you've got Shea Gilgis in the uh, Rising Stars. I'm going to take him in the skills contest because I think he's he's going to be a quick enough dribbler. He'll be able to hit the pass and the layup. And then I think he's got the three ball to actually do it. Usually guys get eliminated if they miss that first three ball or even the second. And I just, I think he's going to knock them down. So I'm going to take Shea Gill just in that one. Then we've got the three point contest, which it's not as heavy named as it has been the last couple of years. No Harden, no Clay, no Steph. Two of those due to injuries. One of them just due to Harden, I think, not caring. Uh, but we've got defending champion Joe Harris and then. Davis Bertans, Devontae Graham, Buddy Heald, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Duncan Robinson, and Trey Young. Who are you taking in the three-point contest? I'm going uh, with my buddy, Buddy Heald. <laughs> Great wordplay there. <laughs> you know, uh, that wasn't a stretch at all, hey? It was difficult, I'm not going to lie. But anyways, uh, Buddy Heald, he's a good shooter. Can't do much else. And I kind of <laughs> think that the Kings just need something to come their way. It's been so long that I think... Someone's going to throw him a bone. I'm going to go experience, and I'm going to go Joe Harris to repeat. Uh, Trey Young, I think, is going to be in the final just because a lot of the shooters, like the ones who are successful are the ones that use all arms because they don't have to rush as much as some of those guys that like really put their legs into it. So I could see Trey Young there, but I think Joe Harris having the experience, a lot of people are going to overlook him for guys like Levine, Lillard, and uh, even Buddy Heald as well, so I'm taking Joe Harris in that one. And then we've got the Slam Dunk Contest, which, I don't know, I wish that there were some better <laughs> names this year, but uh, that being said, Pat Connaughton, uh, Aaron Gordon, Dwight Howard, and Derek Jones Jr., those are our four. Who you got in the dunk contest, Matt? I'm going with the Superman, Dwight Howard. I think... Uh... <laughs> He's going to come back to the past. and uh, Okay, so what are the odds that he breaks out the Superman cape? Oh, it's. I think it's going to be the only thing that scores him points. Do, do you think that that's like his opening dunk? Like he just rolls out of the phone booth again? It's honestly just going to be like the best of for him from the dunk contest and just a blast from the past, I think. Yeah, I like he, he has thrown down a lot of dunks this year. Like it's not like he's lost his hops. They aren't what they were, but he's he can still jump. But I'm going to take Derek Jones Jr. in this one. I think everyone's looking at Dwight and Aaron Gordon because they're they're the most noteworthy names. But Derek Jones Jr. can jump out of the gym. And I think this is the type of contest where, like, his name will become a lot more known. Because, yeah, I'm going to go with Derek Jones Jr. in that one. And then we cap it off on Sunday with the NBA All-Star Game. I... I'm not going to lie, when they did the draft, I kind of thought Giannis was a little bit drunk because the, the team that he put together, I was a little bit confused by. Uh, but for Team LeBron, we've got LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Doncic, Harden, Lillard, Simmons, Jokic, Tatum, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and then Sabonis. And for Team Giannis, we've got Giannis himself, Embiid, Siakam, Kemba, Trey Young, Middleton, Adebayo, Gobert, Butler, Lowry, Ingram, and Mitchell. Who do you have in this game? I'm going 
with the drunk Giannis. <laughs> You're going with Giannis? Going with the drunk Giannis. I know that he said that he was going with his African brothers with Joel Embiid and Pascal, but I don't know. When there's names like Kawhi Leonard out there, I don't know. I just thought that it was a little bit weird, but he's probably just still a little bit hurt that Kawhi absolutely shut him down in the East final, but yeah. yeah. So what makes you think Team Giannis? Honestly, I just think they're going to pass. I think sometimes <laughs> that's a real big factor in basketball. So you think that like Harden just dribble, 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 doesn't pass, and then it's just... I think we're going to see that, exper- not experimental anymore, it's become a part of his game, that one step, one foot step back, and I think it's going to make more appearances than it ever should. Yeah, I feel like he's busting that out. What If you had over-under on three times, you taking the over on that? I have to, yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. think he's going to get angry after he misses it and then just try and hit it over Giannis. For... Yeah, he's going to do it at a moment where he shouldn't. Yeah. And people are going to be like, why are you doing that? Uh, I'm going with Team LeBron in this one. I don't know if Luka's going to play, but I think even if he doesn't, I think Devin Booker's the next man up for that team if and if it's not Booker then it's probably Beal so putting either one of them on that team I think is uh would be a great call but who's your MVP then so if you're going team Giannis is Giannis the MVP or is it someone on the team someone on the team uh probably not the smartest decision I've ever made but I'm gonna go with Kemba Kemba Walker I think uh you know what I mean? He shoots the ball well. He has fancy enough handles where people just want to see him have the ball. And, like, he's a good enough passer that he's hitting Giannis or Pascal for a lot of oops for assists. So, uh, With it being in Chicago, I'm taking Anthony Davis as the MVP. He's from Chicago. I just think that he's really going to go for it. And LeBron's not going to be playing heavy minutes in this game would be my guess. So... But I think AD will. He's won the MVP before. He actually is the record, I think, with 52 points in the game in the All-Star game. So, yeah, I'm going with AD in that one. So, yeah, it'll be really exciting to see what happens with All-Star Weekend. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year just because you get to see uh, all their skills that you don't get to see sometimes out on the court. So it should be a lot of fun. And to cap things off with this uh, special guest podcast, uh, Matt wanted to bring up the uh, Ivy League Game of the Week. So I'm going to let you take this one away. Who is your Ivy League Game of the Week? So I just want to say that this section is very close to my heart, and I know it got discontinued once I left, rightfully so. I don't think it's a good section, but it's my favorite. (laughs) So (laughs) on that note, uh, we are going to go with Brown University. Versus Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania. The Bears and the Quakers. Okay, so so what do you like about both teams? G- give me the breakdown. Honestly, Brown's academic programs are just phenomenal. And I think that's really going to show on the court. What are they most known for, Matt? Uh, computer science, actually. Computer science. And uh, fun fact, you know that before it was called Brown University, it was named the College in the English Colony of Rhode Island and Providence Plant plantations but it was renamed after nicholas brown donated five thousand dollars and that was when tuition was only five dollars so so all that it (laughs) took was five grand to get a university named after you yeah it did wow for brown wow that is that is outstanding uh what about pennsylvania you got any fun facts for the quakers got some fun facts uh yeah so the president Amy Gutman's salary was $1.3 million because the original fact I wanted to say on here, you said I couldn't. So, 
I'm going uh, with he that. wanted to say that our uh, not our president because we're Canadian, but Donald Trump actually went to Pennsylvania and so. the current president of Harvard. Wow! So, yeah, right. That is exciting. Uh, you did you did give me ahead of time what uh, <laughs> what the game would be. So I actually brought some basketball facts to this one because I felt like just talking about computer science uh, wouldn't really cut it. So uh, I saw Brown play earlier this year against Duke. Obviously, they lost very badly, but they're led by Brandon Anderson at just under 18 points per game. They only score 69 points per game as a team. Huh. They also have 16 turnovers, which is pretty high in college basketball. And then you've got the Quakers. A.J. Brodeur is their leading scorer at 17 points. They score 74 per game, so that's five more than Brown. And they only commit 13 turnovers, which is three less. So, uh, Matt, i got to ask you, because yours is more academic-based. So who is going to prove their academic prowess on the court on Friday, which just so happens to be Valentine's Day? I know. The it's love of academia. The love of the game, too. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I think uh, that Brown is going to take this one. I think basketball closely resembles computer science in a lot of ways. But uh, it, it'll be good, too, in all honesty, because they're both 4-1 and one in the Ivy League conference. So it actually will like make a change in the standings, too. It'll be good. I do think that it's going to be a really good game. Pennsylvania's third, Brown's fourth. I'm going to take Pennsylvania in this one because I find it's just way more fun to have opposite picks than you. But I'm taking the Quakers in this one, and uh, that should be a great game. So be sure to be on the lookout for that uh, Brown-Pennsylvania <laughs> game. I don't know if it'll be on TV, but you can follow it along on your phone, I'm sure. <laughs> so that wrap things, wraps things up for the Shooter Shoot Basketball pod. want to give a shout-out once again to Blue Collar Radio Network, who's been uh, really promoting the podcast on their site. Um, you can also find a lot of our social media handles on there at SS Basketball Pod, so be sure to check those out. Matt, I want to thank you once again for coming on the pod. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.